0: 401k advisors want to build a scalable practice, but aren't always sure what to do next. Welcome to Outcomes, the podcast designed to help advisors think, make decisions, and cast a vision to create a business for the future. Here's your host,
1: Ross Marino, financial planner, author, speaker, and CEO of Advisor 2X. Welcome to the Outcomes podcast. Today we have Kaylin Mayhew, president of Merit Financial Advisors. Kaylin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate
0: you having me.
1: Glad to have you here. Well, you have a unique experience as being a financial advisor, and you sold your practice, you became part of a larger group, and then you transitioned into the executive position where now you become the buyer. And there's not a lot of people out there that I think went through that. So I wanted to take some time and talk through what your experience was, what you learned along the way, and how you see things differently, because I think that's what really matters for people who are going to be listening. But before we dive into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about the trend. And aggregation is a big deal right now. People are looking at partnering up at joining large firms. And all the talk, or at least a lot of the talk, is just on succession planning and that it's age driven but as i'm looking at it and other advisors are looking at it succession planning is important you've got to check the box because one day i have to sell my practice or if something tragic happens i may be selling it tomorrow due to death or disability or something so i know that's a box that i have to check that's not necessarily the driver for everybody out there are you starting to see in the industry people looking more at partnering with eventual succession planning or is it still mostly succession planning right now?
0: Well, Ross, you're absolutely correct that there's uh, a change uh, that's going on in our industry. And uh, and I look around at uh, some of the conferences and some of the colleagues that I have in this industry and They're talking to their would-be competitors now about coming together. And these are firms that are not necessarily um, sitting there thinking about, oh, my runway is two or three years as far as from a succession standpoint. These are people that are looking into the future and saying, how can they make the biggest impact? How can they be um, potentially working smarter versus harder? Uh, I think that it's been really interesting to see uh, just the cost of doing business in our industry. I remember 20, what would it have been? 23 years ago, uh, my first financial plan that I was able to uh, present to a client was on a yellow legal pad. (laughs) Now I think we have six different financial planning softwares and it depends upon the client and Do you need the mind map for that? And and so just technology alone is an example um, to where it's like if you had Excel and a computer, you were raring to go. And now it's just such a different environment with cybersecurity and everything else that we need in order to serve our clients well.
1: The technology is moving our industry so fast that 20 years ago, I was using NaviPlan, with the Excel spreadsheet on the screen, right? Had the legal pad, and if you think about it, if I had my brain in Excel, I'm doing plans. So I could do that and I could run a practice that way, but we have gone so far beyond that where now when you talk to firms, you ask about their tech stack. You don't ask about their technology, you ask about their tech stack. So as an advisor, if you're trying to build a practice out there, if it's going to be smaller, You have to think, what pieces do I have to put together? Are you seeing a lot of people ask you about the technology and talk about that? Is that the partnership they're looking for or are there other aspects as well?
0: Yeah, I, I feel like the technology piece is definitely one that comes up in the conversations. Um, I also feel like it's human capital. Um, I feel like our industry really has a, a crisis. Um, when you look at the uh, the human capital and the expertise, I feel like that's our um, biggest challenge right now. When you look at the lack of, uh, let's just take uh, CFAs, uh, for instance, that are really good on the money management standpoint. Um, uh, take a look at the uh, the advisors and the um, junior advisors. Uh, we just don't have enough of the young folks coming into the industry that are filling the roles of the folks that are now retiring. And so I think that when you sit there and you look at that whole... Uh, We either need to find it to partner with or we need to build it. When you look at technology, that's one thing that's a little overwhelming for some, but I feel like the human capital needs are something that's really overwhelming. When you look at, I can just take my example, Um, uh, my legacy firm, my partner and I had been looking for a chief investment officer for over five years that we felt comfortable putting, you know, at the helm of our investment strategy and handing that over because we had reached a place of complexity. and We really needed someone full time at that. We were right about that half a billion dollar mark at the time when we started the search. And um, it was really challenging. We found a couple of people, but once we dug a little deeper, and so it was like, okay, then we got on a mission. Well, what firm can we partner with in order to find a well-established CFA and investment department that has their philosophy set?
1: and I may not have thought this, I did not think this 20 years ago, but later in my career, you worry about the what ifs because they're going to happen as we're in the middle of a a massive what if we wouldn't have even thought about. If you would have just hired one CIO or I hired a CIO for my firm and then that person leaves, now where am I? So just relying on one person alone creates another issue out there. So if a CIO can serve me and many other people well, it's going to be more efficient for everybody across the board. And uh, some people like to do it in-house. Some people like to outsource. There's a lot of decisions there. I I certainly get that. And the beauty of being an advisor, I can build my practice however I want. And so can every other advisor. So it isn't a matter of right or wrong. I love that trend out there. I love that would-be competitors are openly talking about what they're doing. And we're having these conversations because I think a lot of us are figuring out that we have to find like-minded individuals, figure out how to join together in a group and everybody's going to win. But again, that romantic idea of the individual practice or the lifestyle practice, as we call it, it's not as attractive to as many people as it was in the past. So here you guys are a few years ago, right? You're with Bosford Financial at the time with Aaron. And all of a sudden you get to that point of, okay, we need to look at selling. Was it just from, we have to hire a CIO? Was that the trigger? Was there something else? Can you give us some insight into that time?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, Erin and I uh, had started on a journey about five years previous uh, to us uh, finding our our, our long-term partner. And uh, I think the catalyst really was... um, Aaron was was getting to the place to where she was going to be ready to retire so we were thinking succession plan um, and we actually thought that we would do something internal and so we had built uh, out a plan over a time period and uh, when we sat there and looked at the word impact and had a real frank discussion around what was going to have the highest impact on our clients on the team that we had built um, it was just really clear that an internal succession plan was, we could do it, we could do it just fine, but were we really going to have the catalyst for growth uh, that we needed? And, you know, sitting in my shoes, I'm like, okay, here I am losing my partner of 18 years at some point in the future. um, And I've got to make all of these expensive investments in the infrastructure of the business. So I'm going to have debt on the buyout. I'm losing my partner who had been just an amazing rainmaker for the firm. And I've got those expenses on the other side as far as building up the infrastructure. So we began a journey to see who would make the right partner um, for us and for our clients. And ultimately, um, as you mentioned, Ross, we ended up uh, with Merit as that partner. And um, uh, I know we're uh, hopefully going to touch upon it at some point, but we had a list of criteria, and I think everybody should think through that criteria as far as what's important. Um, we had put together our puzzle and had built this puzzle over, you know, almost two decades, and we had little missing pieces of that puzzle. That it was a beautiful picture. We just needed to have some things that were going to be plugged in there. And so, everybody that's that's listening uh, to this has that beautiful puzzle but they're probably missing some pieces and so to find that partner that fills those pieces you really need to get out there and see what's available in the industry because it's definitely not a one size fits all
1: so when you were doing that how how did you balance the puzzle pieces i need today with the puzzle pieces i think i'm going to need 5 and 10 years from now how did you make that decision
0: Um, I think for, for me, it was asking questions on uh, the uh, parent company. So like, we'll talk about merit. Um, What had they done in certain circumstances? What were they doing? looking into looking into the future, because I knew what our business needed. And I had anticipated what we were going to need. But I wanted someone that was light years ahead of where we were, that was thinking way past where we were. So I didn't want someone that was a couple steps in front of us, been there, done that, you know, kind of thing. But I wanted someone that was really looking into the future. And so I think as people identify that potential partner, um, looking historically, as far as, and I hate to use this word because I feel like it's the most overused word right now in our current epidemic here, um, but it's pivoted. Oh, you know, when's pivoting. the last time, I know, when's the last time that you had to do a major pivot? And in hearing what, did they pivot out of absolute necessity, meaning the rug was pulled out from underneath them, or did they have the foresight to sit there and look into the future and make the decision themselves and were in a much better position because
1: of it? So if I'm an advisor and I'm walking through this, You're now on the other side. You've been acquired. You've been assimilated. Now you're talking to me or any other advisors out there. How do you help me understand that this is the gap between where you are in your lifestyle practice or small RIA right right now and where our firm is? How do you go into that conversation?
0: Hina Ross, I think one of the best ways to to start it is incorporate someone that's been through uh, that transition. And so uh, because I've been through the transition myself, uh, I think it helps just to say, hey, I was right there with you. Um, you know, we weren't using yellow legal pads uh, still, but um, to not know that some of this other integration existed. And we were doing double entry or triple entry or quadruple entry of data, you know, at different points. And so I think it's just being able to say, hey, I was right there with you just a few years ago and look at what um, the assistance behind there and the systematization and the institutionalization of technology can really do for your efficiencies and for the level of service that your advisors, your team, and your clients experience. So I think it's just bringing them back to, this is not how we've always been um, this is something that's being built continuously um, and just sitting there helping them see a picture like and this is why I think it's it's an advantage I know that there's um, uh, executives uh, in different large RIAs like our, ourselves that haven't sat in an advisor seat um, so I think it greatly benefits me to have had the you know two decades of direct client acquisition client service you know, to know exactly what the advisor is experiencing and needing on a day-to-day basis. So I think it's just taking it down and saying, hey, I've been in your shoes.
1: I heard you do another interview that I thought was fantastic. And you talked about when you're joining a firm, it's kind of like getting married. You're never going to know for sure. It's not (laughs) going to be perfect. And I thought, have you talked to my wife? um, But, you know... (laughs) 28 years, I'm pretty sure she doesn't want to train another guy. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that part. She's put a lot of work in and man, I've come a long way. Uh, but when you go in, you can't know what that firm's going to look like in five years. You're an example. I I know firms like SRP and Carson and other firms on the wealth management side and on the 401k side, uh, Sheridan Road. I just spoke with Daniel Bryant. These are fast-growing firms and they're merging with other companies. They're expanding. What they looked like a few years ago is different today and what they'll look like a few years from now. They're going to continue to grow. So how would you talk to an advisor about joining a firm knowing that whatever they see today, it may not look exactly the same five and ten years from now?
0: Yeah, well and uh, I would say with the change that we've seen in our industry—it um, would be really scary if a firm you were joining looked the same three or five years down the road. <laughs> uh, we definitely don't want to be the the Kodak of uh, of our industry and and not sit there and see, hey, the you know everything's changed and we've got to uh, change our ways too. Um, but I would I would sit there and uh, I, I think because you can't experience it fully until you're uh, one with the company, um, asking the existing partners um, that have chosen this path would be really important about their experience. And so ask to interview some of the people that have gone with their company. Um, I will say it is always interesting because it's kind of like a client referral. If someone, if a prospect asks, asks for a referral, you're going to give your raving client fan, maybe the, your best friend that you play golf with on Saturdays that oft, uh, that also happens to be one of your biggest clients. Um, but, you know, in this industry, uh, because of the ADVs, you can go and see every. Everybody or go to their website and just pick somebody. Hey, would you mind if I gave um, uh, Steve a call from your website and, and sit there and talk to him? And, and so I think getting that experience from others is really important and is, in, is one way to sit there and get access to what is it really like to be one with this company and to, to join this
1: firm. How can I understand culture if I'm an advisor looking at some of these firms out there? What what do you think is a way for me to gain insight into that?
0: It's, it's really interesting that you ask that because we've been in a couple of unique situations recently in some potential acquisition opportunities. And so um, we are equally interviewing them as much as they're interviewing us uh, because we say no more than we say yes. Um, uh, when folks uh, seek us out or we get it introduced to them as potentially their succession plan or they're looking at a potential merge. Um, and I would say the best way to figure out the Culture is to get the group together, um, get their leadership team or get their team together with them and um, observe um, who does most of the talking, who takes most of the credit. Um, how are decisions made in their firm right now? Um, is it a, you know, well, I just make the decisions and everybody goes along with it because they think that, you know, I'm the smartest person in the room, or at least maybe I think I'm the smartest person in the room. <laughs> Damn, but, <my> <laughs> as far as is that you're getting out of this conversation. And so I would say that that's one of the best ways is just to sit there and be an observer um, to not ask a whole lot as far as questions, um, but to get the group together, get the team together to see how they interact with each other. That would be my advice.
1: Yeah. And I think that's great. And I, I think it goes back to, again, I loved your comment about it's not going to be perfect and you're going to have apprehension because we're still working in a world of uncertainty. Um, I think what I settled on, a couple things when I was going through this process way back when, I thought about what what is really going to matter. And we named the company that serves advisors Advisor 2X. And the reason I did that is I always felt that looking at how can I double my practice is something reasonable that I can process. The idea of you've got a 10X your practice. okay, I'm going to put a zero onto the end of my annual revenue. I have no idea what that looks like. That's I'm not talking with clients. I don't have to put a zero on my number of team members if I do that. But man, it's a whole different world. I need a bigger boat. I mean, right, it doesn't work. So the whole 10X thing, it's just, it's distracting. But I think if you look at 2X, what does it take to double my practice when I look at a firm, if I was looking at partners, does that look like an environment that if I joined there they would actually have the resources from a partnership standpoint to help me double in the next three or five years. I I couldn't figure out how to look any farther beyond that with any level of certainty. But if, and you said it, so I'm gonna keep using it, if that firm is light years ahead of you, then there's multiple opportunities for me to improve my practice. And it means I have access to skilled people and I have access to scale, which is processes which will scale. And really, that's the value prop of the aggregators out there. That's a lot of them that they're doing. They talk about the skill people. They talk about the scale. I I, I think it makes a lot of sense. So before we wrap up, now I, I would love the the after effect or the perspective of looking back and saying, you know what? This whole process, this is what we got right. This is what I thought going through the sell my practice that worked out really well. And then the, you know, I was thinking this way, but that really was a little misdirected or I flat out got that wrong. Can you give us some feedback on yourself?
0: Sure. Um, you always learn more from others' mistakes than you do their successes. So I, I am an open book as far as that's concerned. Um, I would say the, the biggest thing um, would be how I, put in my mind what were going to be the challenges and what needed to be the priorities. I really thought the biggest challenge was going to be the 300 clients that we were going to have to communicate with and talk with around, you know, well, this is what we're, we're doing and this is why we're doing it. Um, and the brand was going to change and, you know, I thought that that was going to be such a big deal. Um, it wasn't, I mean, it really wasn't, um, where I should have spent more time and concern and effort, um, around it was, um, the psychology, um, of the team of my partner who was retiring and, and, and sitting here, you know, she had, she had built this, she had 30 years into this business, um, and how difficult that would be. And so I, I would say the client piece is very doable. Um, all they care about is that the service that they've become accustomed to is going to stay the same. And if you can throw some extra bells and whistles or save them a little bit of money, then great. You know, that's going to be fantastic. Um, but the team, you know, just really working through there to make sure that they know that they're secure and that, that they're valued and that their future is going to be bigger. Um, and then on the uh, retiring side of this, because we've done a number of acquisitions since I have uh, been at merit and, and there's, Always, this um, psychological war that's going on inside of someone's head that has been a founder and has had that complete autonomy and is sitting here thinking about making this transition into another world um, for whatever their reasons are, whether it be succession plan or growth or there's some other uh, catalyst that's out there. That's really the hard part that needs to be focused on. You have a lot of conversations around it and start those conversations really early it's normal so I think if I would have known that this was normal and this is just par for the course that it would have been a lot uh better and then I think for um, anybody that's listening to this that isn't looking at um, making a, uh, a business partnership as part of a succession plan right now or maybe not, you know, anywhere in the future, um, look at it through the lens of impact. And and, and it takes um, humbling yourself, which um, our industry is not necessarily known for, you know, um, humility. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. But there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, different sales uh, minded industries that are like that. So don't get me wrong. Um, But you really have to sit there and humble yourself to say, you know, here it was for two decades. I thought, you know, I was going to be the succession plan and, you know, this was going to happen. And and it. It was almost like sitting there having the conversation with myself, this is not a failure. Um, this is looking at it, what's best for the clients, what's best for the team, and ultimately finding something that's best for you and, and something that you can sit there and get really excited about. I'm thrilled at, with the opportunities that I get to experience on a day-to-day basis in a thriving and growing firm. And I can see our way to one of the top RIAs in, in the country. So for folks that are wanting to um, uh, join something bigger, see if you can get excited about that. See if you share that vision.
1: Any closing thoughts or anything else I didn't ask that you'd like to say?
0: Well, I think that uh, we've seen a number of uh, significant changes in our industry over the last couple of years. And I think the next few years, especially driven in our current environment right now, are going to be even faster, you know, from a change standpoint. And so I think just preparing ourselves, preparing our team, preparing our clients for it. Um, and there is a trend. I, I don't believe that, uh, like you were saying earlier, Ross, uh, that the lifestyle practices are, are going to um, just be able to coast into the next decade here. I feel like there's going to be a lot of pressures. There's going to be a lot of competition. Um, and I think for for those that have those lifestyle practices, there's still a way to maintain because there's a reason why they have the lifestyle practices. They didn't necessarily want to, you know, reinvest hundred percent of their profit in their business on an annual basis. They wanted to take a substantial income. Um, they, they wanted to uh, take off uh, Tuesdays to golf with their buddies or, you know, Fridays to go to the lake for the weekend with their families. All of that is fine. Don't get me wrong, the lifestyle piece is still something that's there, but I think if those folks can find these larger firms that are doing the investing in the infrastructure and the human capital that's going to be necessary, they're going to get the best of both worlds. So they're going to get that um, full package that the clients are looking for and that they're going to need to continue to grow as far as attract new clients, but they're also going to be able to maintain everything that they've loved about this business and the luxuries and the free that it's given them. So I think that there are the, the best of both worlds. But um, again, looking in the front view mirror or looking in the front view here is better than looking in the rear view mirror, because I feel like what's happened over the last couple of years is just foreshadowing the changes that are really going to come.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's certainly accelerating. And I think the big change from the lifestyle practice to now and I'll I'll close on this, is that I could have given you a list of reasons why I have a lifestyle practice, and any advisor who has a lifestyle practice will say, I have it because of one, two, three, four. I think the market has come to us, and even the broker-dealers have come to us, where they create multiple divisions or ways to work within the broker-dealer. You can be FINRA, or you can say, I'm going to go fee only. Oh, well, you just go to the other division. So there are opportunities within your own existing relationships, and there are so many firms out there where whatever your checkbox says, you want to maintain 100% ownership for now. You can do that. You want to sell part of your practice. You can do that. You can outsource the investment management and branch management and have a registered principal. Whatever your checklist says, you see those models being created because they're looking at us. And the reason we're lifestyle, again, is because we believe that's in our best interest and our client's best interest right now. But if you can check off those boxes, everybody wins at the end, and the markets come to us. So the next few years, they're definitely going to be exciting. So Kaylin, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks,
0: Ross. i really enjoyed talking to you today.
1: Thank you for listening to Outcomes. Subscribe now
0: to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Advisor 2X. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes
1: only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may
0: have regarding your investment planning.